This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Welcome to episode 103 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, along with our trailer roundup featuring the season three trailer for the boys. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 103 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy doody, welcome to episode 103 of the Drive-In Podcast. This is Dr. O on the horn. I am joined as always by the one and only forward hat wearing Ricky Flicks today, right? Uh, I just got rained on torrentially right outside my house and I came inside, sending the invite for the Zoom. Uh, we got a loaded checkup today and an electric new trailer to talk about Ricky Flicks. How pumped are you? Get down to business for this episode. Chock full of news. Big news past week in Hollywood, but today was the boys. Or uh, you listen to this uh, the day after, so I guess the date on Monday, whenever you listen to this, May sixteenth, huge day for the boys and for Prime Video and this summer, as the boys will be premiering. Was it the first three episodes, then a then episode uh, every week, one one a week after that? Is that what's going to happen here? Uh, that's what it was last season, I believe. Uh, it is a week by week basis. I would assume the first three are going to drop, though. Like, I think that's what they did, they did with season two. But like at, after season two, like seeing this trailer has me beyond hyped. It seems like this story, like this story, has plenty of places to go. All right, plenty oh. of places to go. What are you going to say? I don't want to say too much before the roundup, but like I have so many thoughts because there's so many things going on. Like mm-hmm. there's just almost almost too much. Yeah, I mean, I like the theories will be running amok over the interwebs, and now they're definitely going to be coming on this podcast. Uh, before we get to the trailer roundup and the checkup, though, Ricky Flex, I just want to check in, see what you've been watching uh, as we kind of head towards like the summer. We got temperatures warming up. You watching any summer jams right now? What do you got? No, the exact opposite. I finished Severance. <laughs> Wind River. <laughs> <laughs> Severance, like I think it's in North Dakota in the winter, so the exact opposite of the summer. And now I, I mentioned when I uh, either last week or the week before when I was watching this, definitely like Black Mirror type of show, but with some more depth to it. Ooh. And I finished it. And today also news that won't make the checkup, but I'll just mention briefly. Netflix announced that Black Mirror season six is going to, is going to happen. And season five hasn't happened since the summer of 2019. And that's a direct consequence of how good severance is and this finale i understand the hype now i'm going to be a part of it i'm on the severance bandwagon adam scott he's good he's really good this is his role his breakthrough his breakthrough he's always been like that guy everyone knew right the supporting character but now it seems like he's found his niche you know yep a john Turturro, awesome in this as well little uh season finale i didn't love his aspect of it in the season finale but overall great to see him do well heliar you know who i'm talking about if you've seen the show awesome like everybody everyone christopher walken like everybody's great christopher walken making an appearance on the checkup for episode 103 today can't wait to talk about that bit of news i'll tell you what i've been watching ricky bucks first of all i gotta i gotta watch severance so we can have some actual conversation about it i feel bad that i just like tell you to talk about it and then there's nothing comes out of it but like just it's great it's satisfying to hear that adam scott has finally found like his way like his path like his way to like almost like launching him to this next level in his career right um i did i did i had an 80s double featured last night though ricky flex a sunday night double feature 80s style I watched two iconic movies, Ricky Flicks. One, I went. I watched When Harry Met Sally. Okay, I had not seen that movie since I was young, and uh, the times I have seen it since then, it was just clips. Obviously, the iconic scenes with like Meg Ryan in the diner, but like 
that movie, it's a it's absolutely criminal that we did not draft that movie in the rom-coms draft. It's did a very PK, good movie. Did PK very good. like arguably that's like a number one overall pick, dude? It's overall. very good. It's very good. Billy Crystal, very yeah. good. I just feel like that set the template for every other rom-com that came after it, and they just couldn't do it as well, right? Between uh, Rob Reiner's 1989 film and Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, I can watch them have conversations all day. I feel like like Billy Crystal is just an, one of the best verbalists out of like any actor who's ever lived. You know, he's just someone I I strive, I would love to listen to. You know, it's like whenever he's talking, you feel like he's doing a stand-up routine as he's doing it. You know, it's it's so excellent. And then Meg Ryan is just she looks amazing in that movie too. Sorry, I, like I know she acted wonderfully too. She brings her own charm to the role, uh, but she looks phenomenal. And then, interestingly enough, the double feature. I had another Meg Ryan movie. Her first ever appearance in a movie. I watched Top Gun. Top Gun. I had to watch it like for all the way through because I hadn't seen it since I was younger. It's been one of those movies that's always on like AMC. Like certain scenes will pop on that I'll watch, but I watched it all the way through for the first time in a long time. And I got to say like Top Gun Maverick, I am supremely excited for that movie as well. Like I had the buzz that's happening around it. Now I rewatched the trailer and just the aspect of miles Teller goose's son, him on the piano in the trailer. It just makes me think this could be something special, right? <laughs> something special. I can't wait. And then like even the top, like the original Top Gun, it's one of the best looking movies I've seen maybe ever. Like it is like spectacular to look at in terms of like just like from a blockbuster perspective. And even when they're flying the planes, right? In the 80s, there's no CGI there. They're flying those freaking planes. And they, it really looks spectacular. It's got the grainy footage a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people that are a little harsh on that movie. You can talk about the acting and the chemistry between the characters there. But I mean, I, I – I just want to get your anticipation level for Top Gun Maverick. I know you saw Top Gun last week. Uh, again. I think it was two weeks ago, actually. Nah, maybe not. Okay. But I rewatched this movie a lot. Like, unlike you, I, I, I rewatched Top Gun a lot. And I'm a huge fan of the original movie. So that's why, like, I'm a little, like, I know when the trailer came out for Maverick, I criticized it a little bit because I not only did they have some, 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 hesitancy i have some hesitancies surrounding it but also because i'm so in love with the first one right so i just don't want to see the dilute but already critically like successful right now like 75 reviews going on to 100 with 96 on rotten tomatoes again rotten tomatoes doesn't tell everything so we'll see how the movie is when we see it next week or this week or next yeah next week but yeah no i am incredibly excited i'm just a little nervous but the critics the reviews that have been coming in have making me feel better Oh yeah, like I mean, I, my any any nervous like bone I had in my body leading into this movie is gone, absolutely gone. Uh, the first one is such an entertaining like blockbuster, like it is. It literally you have the times when you can roll your eyes at it, but it was so eighties that it hurts. But in the, but like in the best way possible, right? It looked great on screen. It's got like the pro. It's got like the movie star of all movie stars with Tom Cruise. And like do you, I will add. Well, I just want to add this little part here. Do you think? There's been a lot of rumors, a lot of buzz about this movie. Do you think Tom Cruise actually has a chance at securing a potential Oscar nomination for a sequel to Top Gun? I understand people that say that Top Gun, like one is obviously his breakout role, like his main one. Like I know outsiders, like I, but like he is true breakout was Top Gun, and that that got him to superstardom. But and like that, that defines the '80s. Like that movie it defines an era of movies. So I could totally see like the Academy being like, we just have to honor Tom Cruise. Just give him a nomination for this. He won't win, but just give him a nom. But I'm going to say no way too early. He'll, there'll be no, there, there won't be an Oscar campaign for this movie. I just can't see it. Unless like we go see it uh, next week and we're just like blown away. Like we were for the Batman or something like that. But like I, if we confirm his performance. I think I think the performance is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be like the, one of the best performances he's had in years. Like the Pete Mitchell Maverick character is probably his most iconic role for Tom Cruise. Pete Mitchell Maverick. And to like see him, how he's transitioned, he started off with like Top Gun. Then he obviously the 90s, he had that streak of like very dramatic type of roles, 
all right, prestige upon the name. But then after he didn't get that Oscar for Magnolia, he tries again like Vanilla Sky, and then obviously falls apart from there. He goes all in on Ethan Hunt. He goes into the sci-fi type movies in the late 2000s into the early 2010s. It would be great if he won or at least was nominated for an Oscar, gets back into this conversation with a pure action movie like this, and it's just a return to like, it's almost like a throwback to what he once was and also colliding with who he is today. Like, I think it actually could be amazing. It almost has a vibe like Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man type of conversation. Now he, people want him to get a Oscar now for Endgame. Similar type thing I'm feeling right now. I, 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 that's a great analogy. That's exactly what this is. But the problem is just the timing of this movie that comes out. It just doesn't work with a campaign for an Oscar. And even with the power of Tom Cruise and this, like the movie itself, like we have Ed, Ed Harris, John Hamm, Miles Teller, a huge cast here. Um, but I think that like, if you look at those guys right now and how they are in Hollywood, like Ed Harris, like very well known actor, like unbelievable actor, highly regarded, but no Oscars three time nominated. Um, he was in uh, that movie with Maggie Joan Hall directed The Lost Daughter, but not a lot of screen time. Like he's not in like a peak form. John Hamm still on the sidelines a lot in a lot of these roles post um, Bad Men. And then Miles Teller, like we talked about on the pod, like he this is like make or break year for him. And Spider-Head trailer dropping tomorrow. Yeah. Like when you're listening to this. Yeah. It already dropped. Um, and this movie, like huge, 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 huge year for him. Make or break. I really do think so. It also, uh, I was going to say, it also kind of reminds me of like Sylvester Stallone potentially getting it. Like he got the nomination when he returned to the role of Rocky in Creed. I, I, I see like Creed as a similar comparison, like Top of Maverick Creed. I feel like those go hand in hand with such iconic movies getting a sequel or a spinoff from all those years ago, decades ago. You know, it just has that type of vibe. I'm telling you, like with this buzz around it, I don't even know if it's going to matter as much with the release date, although it's like very similar to Robert Downey Jr. Endgame that came out, what, like April, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah I'm excited for it, bro. It's going to be phenomenal. And also, Toby. last thing, like – the draft we had characters we would have saved. I mean, honestly, Goose could have been drafted. I think I actually did you mention that, that honorable mention there? No, I just said so many, but I think I wrote down Goose. Yeah, Goose I, Top I, Gun. I, <laughs> I thought of that doubt. immediately. Like, like Goose would be like he would be the one that would die in Top Gun. But like, if you're talking about just like if we don't take it, the movie into consideration, the writing of the movie, like imagine like all the ass he would have kicked alongside Maverick, right, for the years to come. <laughs> They probably would have finished top of the class, right? Ahead of Iceman. All right. Now you can bring up Iceman. We're going to do a throwback review next week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, top Gun. So we'll save the rest of our thoughts. But Ricky Flex, let's talk about the boys. All right. The boys season three trailer roundup. That's where we're going. Uh, an electric new trailer features uh, a new superhero team. We got Payback, all right? Featuring Soldier Boy, all right? That's, that's seriously his name. Uh, Jensen Ackles playing Soldier Boy, looking like like a like a knockoff John Walker from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We got Huey working as a Fed. We got uh, Billy Butcher right back in the fold, a sober Billy Butcher. Okay, looking to get back into the game. And then alongside you got Homelander. All right, kind of ready to show the world who he truly is. A menacing looking. Homelander, and uh, that we'll see, looks like someone that's going to be even more off the rails than the last season. All right, there's so much to look forward to here, Ricky Flex. Which part of the trailer do you want to start with uh, first? What caught your attention most? Well, you mentioned Soldier Boy first, Jensen Ackles. Like, he, the only thing I've ever seen him in is something that he wasn't like in. He was a, his voice was in it. He's the Batman in the Long Halloween's uh, Part One and Part Two that came out on HBO Max this past two years. So I like this is big for him. Like I'm interested to see this character. Like you said, you get those John Walker like vibes with it. So we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm definitely bullish on him. I'm just I had no prior experience with him besides his voice. I haven't watched any of his other like TV shows that he's been in. Um, and I think that's the character that they're gonna try to surround against Homelander. Like that's going to be very interesting storyline to combat with Homelander going crazy. So it's really going to be this combination of these two characters that this season is going to be around that I cannot wait for. I really cannot wait. And again, it goes back to a hey, Homelander coming into his own, even in the trailer, he does mention like, this is the real me and everyone loves me. So like that's scary thought. And then you get 
a new character that looks so powerful to maybe combat that. So again, that's like the big storyline for me. I know there's a thousand other ones that this trailer tackled and it's coming in two weeks, which is so exciting. Yeah. So I think that was the takeaway, the team payback here. It almost has a feel like infinity war where it's like, you're going to have all these heroes come together, try and take down the big bad. That is Homelander, the all powerful figure. But it seems like, because what we need to recognize here is Payback is a team from the comics that rivals the Seven. They they are a team that actually preceded the Seven, and I believe they're actually from a different decade. If I if I did my research correctly, they might be from the seventies. They indicate that sort of with the poster that came out today for season three featuring Payback and uh, with Soldier Boy right in front and center. But I I have a feeling like this could be the last time we see Homelander. I really do. I don't know how much longer, how much darker the character can get, right? What kind of turn it could take for a fourth season. I feel like it's going to run its course properly in the third season. Did you also get that vibe? This might be the last time we get Homelander. Is he too good of a character? No, I did not get that vibe at all. To be honest, I totally understand it when you said it, but like he is the boys. I, in my opinion, I think he's the boys. I'm not like, not, not butcher. Kind of character. I think it's Homelander. So you take out Homelander, you take out the boys. That's but he's the opinion. villain. It's the only problem. Like, you, how can you? How many? How many seasons can he be the villain of the show? You know, yes, there's going to be side villains that were going to be there, but like with a character as powerful as Homelander, like I have a hard time believing. Like, okay, season four, how is Homelander going to be the villain again? Like, it's just like he's not going to turn good, is he? Is there is there a way he turns good? <laughs> no, no, and you're right. And, it's unforgivable. Like, it's also like he's in so many other things besides just him, his villainous nature, right? He's involved in a storyline with Butch uh, Butcher. So it's just like, I don't know how they would do it. I think you're right. The like I didn't even think about him dying this season because I just think of him and the boys as equals and how important each, uh, each of them are to each other. But I just don't see how this show would be ne nearly as good without him. Yeah. I, I, it won't be. It won't be. Like, he carries the show. Like, so then like they'll he, keep it going. It's but just like, like, not carries to the point where it couldn't live on without him, but, like, it would certainly take a hit if he was not in it. But if he had the proper send-off in this movie, I mean, in this, sorry, in this season. Uh, season, like, I don't, I wouldn't mind seeing it, having it be his last season, you know, just because I don't want him to, like, overdo the character with too many seasons. Like, it's just, it's, it's not a hero that just keeps playing the same role and, like, can, like, character development. Like, we've seen how dark he could get. Like, is he just going to keep getting darker? Like, what else could possibly happen to make him live for another two seasons in the show? Yeah, I, like, I totally understand that. And I'd rather have him get killed or, die, like, they kill him off rather than dilute his character. So I'd much rather see that. But all I'm saying is, like, look at this trailer. This was dedicated to him for the most part. Like, it was. And Soldier Boy, like, both those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I think they're setting intro, up a great showdown at the end of the yeah. season. But, like, the intro to the trailer was him and his interview, and then, like, throughout the, the majority of the screen time in this trailer was definitely for him. Half of the trailer was for him at the minimum. So I just think, yes, I understand. And honestly, now that you say it, it makes too much sense not to happen. But... Again, like I, I think it's just gonna hurt the show in, in itself going in the future past this season. Mm. I can, I can also see like this show like dove into the politics a little bit last and for season two. I feel like we're gonna get like because obviously you have two like Captain America type figures with Soldier Boy, and that's, I can't like say Soldier Boy so many times without like wanting to dance and like out of my seat. You, but uh, the aspect of like Homelander, what it means to be American today. This is something you should be ashamed of rather than like this old school, like soldier boy type character. that seems like a throwback to like more of the uh, golden times of being an American, right? Whatever that may mean. But having these two go against one another, I think they're going to try and put some political spin on it, which I, I don't hate. You know, sometimes I like when these shows get a little deep and they get real, you know, but I, what else did I want to say? I do want to say, I want to mention the supporting characters here because we haven't talked about them. We spent enough time talking about Soldier Boy and Homelander here. But Billy Butcher, like, we're going to see him as a soup. We're, we're seeing him as a soup. We're getting a drug that's introduced that turns you to a soup for 24 hours. What do you think of the idea of Billy Butcher turning to the dark side? It makes me think, like, hey, does he turn into the villain? Like, now that you're saying oh, that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like, oh. you definitely see how he can get power hungry 
hooked on the drugs. Maybe it's yeah. addictive. What's happening? And he's addicted to his way. And in the trailer, they say, like, we got to do it your way, Butcher. Like, we got, like, it's, I think he's going to get so powerful and addicted to this and addicted to his way that, okay, who can be the villain that's equally as important to the boys? It's only one other man, and that's, or one other person, and that's Butcher. So, yes, if you go with your theory that Homelander dies, then I will say the next villain is Butcher because I can't see another villain out of any that we've seen that's big enough to replace a Homelander except Butcher. Be so ironic if he becomes the villain eventually in this show, That's you know. Perfect. And he's like living this sober, clean life, all right. But he's still obviously in a state of mourning, okay. Uh, upon losing his wife, so I don't know. It's just I, I feel like that has some legs right there, Ricky Flex. That definitely has some legs. And the idea of like, like maybe he's not the only one in in the squad that doesn't have superpowers that tries this new drug imagine like huey like there's gonna be like a scene that they're hiding with like huey tries the drug or something they get some type of weird power <laughs> that like only he would or he have, becomes you know? a speedster and that's just the irony there oh jesus ricky you should write this show buddy um but yeah so he's, he's he was working for the federal bureau of superhuman affairs i can't believe he has like a, he's wearing like a suit to a job after like all he's been through yeah. and everything but in terms of also like like supporting characters or maybe not so much supporting characters we didn't really get any i don't think i i think who was noticeably absent here was black noir like black noir we were like we assumed was gonna get more screen time in season two didn't really happen season three right we see we hope to learn more about this key character this hidden character from the seven who has a mysterious background i think do you think this is where they're still trying to hide black noir or is that are they kind of ditching this potential plan to showcase him? i i thought that was weird because yeah like you said we we talked about it on this podcast i think two years ago like that this was supposed to be like his season the come like his coming out party a little bit right that's the reports were coming from the set and the production and the like during this filming of the the season but we don't see him in the trailer. And are they hiding something from us? Are they trying to not tell us something so you're surprised? To be honest, I don't think so. Because why would they tell us Butcher will be a superhero uh, for 24 hours? Like, I, I think that was a huge shock. And there will be bigger shocks than what we saw, of course. That's just what the boys does and reliably consistently. Um, so, yes. But will that be with Black Noir, who's not even a top five character of the show? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I just... I was looking forward, I guess. I think I, the characters lost some steam like by the fact that it, like they didn't get any screen, he, he or she or whatever the, their identity is, like didn't get any screen time in season two. Like it, like literally and after not having any in season one, so then now expecting some in season three. Like I'm more interested in Payback, this team, uh, who seemed to be a ripoff of the Avengers. You even see someone that's dressed up like Scarlet Witch yes. here. But like and like Soldier Boy, more interested in him. Like, is he actually a good guy? Is he an anti-hero? Like, what should we expect from this character? And then obviously, like this interesting spins here with like Butcher gaining powers, Huey potentially like having a different role on the team from a different one they've had previously. And we didn't even get to like the rest of like the the regular humans that make such strong appearances in the show. Um, but yeah, that's the boys season three. That's what we got there. Trailer roundup. The deep looks like he's back too, by the way. Bro, uh, yeah, but we also I, I was gonna say like he only had like a scene here. Um who's this who's the fast guy? A train. A train. Thank you. But A train A train looking like he's gonna get absolutely eviscerated by <laughs> Homelander, right? Staring into those those laser eyes that right into him. So I don't know. I like A train's not a character I have much of an affinity towards, I would say. Uh, the deep's always just been funny to me. So like I think like I'm excited to see what happens in that regard. But that's kind of what I got, you know? It's what I got. Any still, final thoughts? No, just incredibly excited still. The boys, I, I don't want, I don't want, I just, because I don't want to discount any other shows, but for me, easy top 10 could be top five show that's still going on right now uh, and across any streaming platform. So really excited for the boys. Highly recommend you like watch it if you haven't yet so you can catch up. So when we review it starting June 3rd. June 3rd. Yes, that's going to be one of our next ones that we're going to include. Right with our weekly reviews. Prime video must must must. Prime video, June third. Uh, let's go into the checkup here, Ricky Flex, and let's start with some casting news. Let's go to one of our favorite actors, one you brought up at the beginning of this podcast, talking about Severance. Let's talk about Christopher Walken. Okay, Christopher Walken has been cast as the Emperor in the sequel to Dune. 
Okay. Uh, Christopher Walken, last uh, project he's done is severance. Other than that, hasn't really been up to much. Ricky Flicks, what's your reaction to Christopher Walken being cast as such a central character to this movie, uh, this franchise? At first, I thought it was fake. I thought it was like a classic, like somebody like said, like, oh, uh, this would be funny if this happened. But when I saw like the reports and reliable sources, I was like, oh my God, this is real. This is real. We got, we got Todd's dad, Wedding Crasher. Like, what are we? talking about how does he fit what how he how does he fit in the dune universe i like as the emperor this guy is like a like awful human or awful person and it's gonna be christopher walken like what are we talking about and again i just saw him in severance and he wasn't necessarily his normal christopher walken self but he still had the walken uh, mannerisms right like he's still it's still christopher walken so you're still like kind of laughing. <laughs> you're still like kind of laughing as you're going, but like it's like at the end of the day, looking back at like the deer hunter and like all these other like amazing roles he's had prior to this kind of like how we view him, like Gen Z millennials view him. It's like, no, this guy is an unbelievable actor. And people like Denny uh, Villeneuve still want to work with these guys, even though like their perceptions today in 2022 are different than 1979. So yes, I did find it odd. But this could be a good change of pace for him that we could see me and you when we review Doom Part 2 uh, after next year and go, wow, that really worked. And I trust Denny. I I have a couple thoughts. I do think I'm going to have a hard time. You talk about our generation, okay, looking on Christopher Walken. I'm not going to be able to take him seriously in whatever he wears and the way he speaks in this movie. Like he has to totally change his voice for me to not start cackling when I see him on screen and he, as he starts talking, it's just the way, it's just the way he is. I feel like it's going to be hard to sh- like hide him from like what his IMDb says from the past, like 15, 20 years, you know, but when you look at it and you know, you know, Denny V is obviously a cinephile himself. And then he looks back at the career of Christopher Walken. He's played villainous roles before he's played very dark roles before. Okay. Like view to a kill deer hunter. Like there's, there's plenty of things where he can actually, he channels right. A darker side. Uh, Batman Returns, like he's been been in franchises before. Like I'm sorry, Balls of Fury. I'll throw that one out there too. But he can do it. It's just a matter of, I mean, does he still got it? <laughs> you know, it's just like, can he still pull it out of his pull pull it uh, pull it out of his hat? Uh, I don't know. It should be interesting because I think there's some really good casting for this movie that like got me excited, highly anticipating this next one. Floyd Rafa is gonna be played by Austin Butler. He's gonna be an Elvis. Then uh, he had some. Ult, he had the ultimate praise um, from Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington, uh, I know you told me the story, Ricky Flex, but Denzel Washington uh, called Boz Lerman. He doesn't even have a relationship with Boz Lerman saying this kid's special, right? He worked with him. He's got an amazing work, work ethic. So seeing him as a villainous type of character to go toe-to-toe with Chalamet in the next movie, super exciting. And then you got another iconic character played by Florence Pugh. Like this cast is like hitting on all notes, and the first one of the best parts of the first Dune was how perfect the cast was. I just I'm nervous that's going to mess up a little bit of the chemistry, and it just might make it more laughable than taken seriously like it should be. Right, right. I t- I completely agree, and also I just have my full faith in Austin Butler. So when I say this, I don't actually believe I'm going to think this, but he's got Elvis coming out next month, right? Will, will enough people see Elvis to view him as Elvis or will they view him as just Austin Butler, like an actor? So like Elvis biopic movie, how will that do at the box office this summer? Yeah. Light year, well. The light, light years the week before June 17th, next week, June 24th. Will enough people see him as Elvis before June part two? Let's think about this. Let's think about this because well, Bohemian Rhapsody, how much money did they make at the box office? $800 million. I didn't crack a billion, did it? Pre-COVID. Yeah, Ricky. Okay, like we we have gone to a point where I know it's Marvel movies, but we've hit a billion dollars after COVID. Like it's after. But I don't think we get Top Gun Maverick. People are going to be going out and flocking to the theaters. Like right, right. But I think those are those are different though. Like those are either franchises or huge blockbusters. We have a music biopic, and I think Bohemian Rhapsody just had a lot of momentum. I, I agree. I think just Bohemian Rhapsody had a lot more had a lot more momentum compared to what we have with Elvis right now. I just don't feel that momentum going. And you have Rami Malek, who's a much bigger star right now in Hollywood, or it was at the time. 
than Austin Butler. Like he's someone to drive that movie. And he heard that I, Oscar buzz and it was coming out in Christmas time. So compared to June coming after Lightyear and it's Austin Butler, who's an up and coming actor. It's not a Rami Malek. That's where I, my, that's why I just, I could see it doing well, just 800 million. Like I don't see. I get the same vibe from those two movies. I don't think it's gonna make $800 million either. Just want to make that clear. I think it's going to do well at the box office. It's going to make triple digits millions. You know, it's going to agree. at least hit a hundred million dollars. Uh, but why do I think I get the same vibe from Bohemian Rhapsody to like Elvis, the Boz Lorman film? Like they're very stylized. They got the iconic figure, right? Young actors portraying iconic, iconic artists like Elvis Presley and Freddie Mercury. Um, and it's a story that you got Tom Hanks in a, a villainous type of supporting role here, antagonistic style. Uh, not, not like a literal villain. It's not like he's like the Emperor in Dune too. But you know what I'm saying? Like it has some juice to it. I think. It's also the polarizing aspects because people are starting to doubt Elvis before it even drops to theaters. What do we know about Bohemian Rhapsody? It's like known as one of like the worst movies, right? To like, like at least it's like it's it's gotten that reputation as one of the worst movies to accrue numerous Oscar nominations, all right? And obviously it led to a win. It led to a win for uh, Rami Malek, and obviously for best editing that people like seem like to sneeze at. Um, so do I. So yeah, should be interesting. I do want to go on to more casting news. Let's talk about some, uh, some other major directors partnering with some of the best, best, best actors in the game. Adam Driver, all right? He's going to be starring in Francis Ford Coppola's Megalopolis. This comes after the news, right? From a few months back, Oscar Isaac initially was going to be in this film, drops out. Starring alongside Adam Driver, you got Forrest Whitaker, Natalie Emanuel from Game of Thrones, Lawrence Fishburne, and John Voight. Uh, the film is described as an epic story of political ambition, genius, and conflicted love. Ricky Flex, where's your anticipation level uh, to see Driver and Coppola together? It's incredibly high. This is, the for me, my favorite thing on the checkup today. Like, Coppola probably, I would say, had the greatest run, greatest decade any director has ever had. In the 70s? Yeah, in the 70s. Godfather, Godfather 2. Uh, in between that, the conversation, like apocalypse now, apocalypse now, right after that, uh, right after Godfather Part Two, he had probably the greatest run right there. No one could ever top that. No, that's that's go, go level. So, yes, he in the past, like that was his that was his prime. He'll never be able to top that. But he is such an acclaimed director, filmmaker, that anytime he has something out, it's like okay, your eyes are drawn to it. Of course. But we've discussed on this podcast, Adam Driver might be the best actor in Hollywood right now. So when you get someone with that pedigree to go with Adam Driver and up and coming, uh, going to be an Oscar winner someday, it's just like that's a that sounds that's a match made in heaven for us, us audience members. So I am huge. Like, I'm so excited for this. Like, again, as you can tell from my comments, I am very much bullish on Adam Driver, very high on him. And it's for it's Francis Ford Coppola for God's sakes. But I will say my last comment will be: I still don't understand Oscar Isaac. What's going on there? Right? Like I don't know how he could drop out of this movie. And I don't care about conflicts. I really don't because I don't know how you drop out of a Francis Ford Coppola movie. And like he's playing Francis Ford Coppola in a movie coming up. Is he playing him? He's playing yes. Coppola in that Godfather making of the Godfather. So I just don't get it. I swear to God, if he delayed, or he said he couldn't do it because he's doing uh, the Metal Gear Solid playing Snake in that. Like Moon Knight he, season two. Or Moon Knight season two. I will be so pissed. I will, if those are the reasons, I will not watch anything. Uh, one of the, whatever is the reason he, d he did not do this movie. So that makes me a little nervous for him. But other than Just that, take it easy on the guy. Ricky Flex. It's crazy. I swear to God, if it's because of the snake movie. I'm going to be pissed. Well, we're going to like me. I mean, he's, he's you, there's a lot of connections going on here, right? A lot of like, uh, like strings attaching. You got Coppola, uh, Coppola, like driver playing Coppola alongside Oscar Isaac in a making of the Godfather movie. And then maybe that's how Coppola 
found driver and like said he was a good fit maybe they garnered some type of relationship as drivers doing research for this making of the godfather type of movie but uh i wait, think it's also wait, wait, wait. Worth, oscar what? isaac's playing francis ford coppola whoever i don't know you said it <laughs> no remember know. we talked about jake gyllenhaal and oscar isaac oh it's, I, it's about I, the I making just, i just made the mistake i just thought adam okay. driver was playing jake Gyll, like jake gyllenhaal's character Got it. No, no, it's not. No. Sorry, it's not. I confuse I them. They're all three of them. I think are at a very similar acting level. They are. They are. You know, like they're all like I. Inter- I can interchange any of those. Like you yes. can get rid of Jake Gyllenhaal, put Adam Driver in that movie. I'm like, okay, it works. That's but so true. What I was going to say, also, sorry for confusing the audiences and Ricky Flex. Well, I like Adam Driver also working with Michael Mann in his next movie. Right? Is Adam Driver the most sought after like actor in Hollywood? Like again, he's up there. You got. I think. I still think Leo is the most. But Marshall, I, do you think Driver's passing him? He's doing a Coppola movie and Michael no. Mann. He he got those two guys to come back. Those two. Still no, iconic. No but yeah. I, but I would say Marshall Ali, he's up there, as well. But I I would say I Adam know, Driver's he's not that level. Back to back Oscar wins. That you know how hard that is in any supporting role. both supporting. Doesn't matter. Yes, That's it does. Still hard. It does. It's still hard to do. But yeah, besides the point, lead actor. Okay, besides the point. Besides the point. You're right. He is up to the point. Adam Driver, again, one of the best actors in Hollywood right now. Has to be in the conversation. What also caught my eye when I read this headline is that Forrest Whitaker and Lawrence Fishburne are in this movie. And once again, I'm going to have a hard time. Like, like those guys are the same guy. (laughs) Like, they're very similar. Forrest Whitaker and Lawrence Fishburne. Like, I feel like they could they could play each other's roles that they've had in each movies that they like you know that they've done. Yes, you know. Oh my god, that's just another example. Imagine just, Forrest Whitaker. My brain. Imagine Forrest Whitaker in the Matrix. Oh my god, I think he would murder it. Or Lawrence Fishburne Lawrence, as the Lawrence Fishburne as uh, in Rogue One. You know, he could. Or I was thinking the Last King of Scotland. Yeah, no, that also came in my mind too. I think I think they could they could just like interchange each other's parts. They're both very talented, but uh. Yeah, I think we should also move on to more casting news. Let's let's fire through a couple of these. Alan Richson being cast in Fast X. You play Jack Reacher in the most recent Amazon Prime series. I feel like this is like the most I, I could have guessed this was going to happen after the Jack after the Jack Reacher series. I feel like it's perfect. So I still haven't watched it, the new Jack Reacher series, I. because I don't like again Thad Castle. This is Thad Castle, Blue Mountain State, one of my favorite TV characters of all time. But him playing Jack Reacher, Jack Reacher, if you haven't seen the Tom Cruise movie or read the books, not only is he just like physically like athletic and like superior than everybody, but he's also like a genius. Like Jack Reacher is a genius. And you're telling me that Castle, Castle is going to be playing this guy. I guess phys- obviously physically makes sense, but mentally it's like what? But I guess he's killing it. Like I haven't watched it, but I've only heard good things. But this is when you know he's big time. Is when he's getting putting into next to Jason Momoa into Fast X. That's huge. And he's gonna be you know, a, he's, he's gonna be a DC, future DC hero. I'm calling it but, now. future DC uh, hero. Doctor, that was my that was my last thing. But you, you know he's big now. But you know how he's making a name for himself when you got people on Twitter and the mo- film Twitter saying that he should be the next Reed Richards. Oh my god. <laughs> People are saying this man should be the smartest man in the universe. Those guys have and never the, seen Blue Mountain State. It makes no sense, but that just shows how people want to see him in, as a superhero. So, this is just the next step in a show, then a huge franchise that he won't be the star in, but maybe he does well and then boom, you're a superhero. Maybe not an A-list superhero, but you're a superhero. That is yeah. a huge comeback or I don't even want to say comeback because I'm not going to say he was ever low i guess teenage mutant ninja turtles or something like that he was in but still this is huge i'm still just shocked i'm seeing be like green lantern bro <laughs> like he's gonna be like you know, like that. that's a little too much that's a little too much I'm like i just think of like he's gonna be a superhero I and mean, he's not big enough to be like a, a main like even a, a mainstream marvel guy just like a like a member of the jla in the, in the sequel to black adam he'll be there yeah. <laughs> that's what he'll do um moving on more casting let's keep let's re- keep ripping through Dan Stevens going to star and reunite with director Adam Wingard on Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Kong sequel. Like Dan Stevens, like now going to play the lead after in the original Godzilla vs. Kong. You had our boy Alexander Skarsgård, okay, uh, in the role. 
All right, also, I think this is the biggest casting, the big, one of the biggest what-if casting scenarios we've had in quite some time. So, uh, spoiler alert for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm going to pre preface that. I'm going to wait five seconds. In case you don't want to listen, you can skip ahead uh, to about uh, five minutes in this podcast. Okay. So, um, John Krasinski was not the first choice to play Mr. Fantastic in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, okay? Uh, the original actor who was going to make an appearance backed out due to COVID-related results. The first choice to appear in this movie was actually Daniel Craig. There's been reports that he was not actually going to appear as Reed Richards, a, a different dimensional, um, different universe uh, Reed Richards, but instead this character with Asgardian ancestry known as Balder the Brave. So Ricky Flex, um, I guess, and he backed out, obviously, Daniel Craig backed out due to uh, the rise in COVID numbers, and that left an opportunity for John Krasinski to step into the role. So my question to you, Rick, what do you think this means for Krasinski uh, as Reed Richards in the future of the MCU? Do you think it's still going to happen? You're confident? Or do you think this was just like a nice uh, way to kind of make up for what could have been with Daniel Craig and your fans get their like fan service casting? Or do you think this is actually going to happen in the future, him as Reed Richards? I think this definitely hurts it. I, I hurts that take. I think that, like, if you're doing gambling odds, like, this went from, I don't know, 30 to 1 to, like, 50 to 1. I think it hurt the odds pretty badly. Um, but not, but 50 to 1 is still possible. You're not at a, a rich strike or anything yet. But, yeah, I do think this hurts it because they clearly didn't want to do it. They clearly wanted to, not, like, not satisfy the fans. And I think after Doctor Strange, yes, I think that I think that fans loved him in it, right? It's just based off social media and just hearing what people are saying about it. I think people liked him as Reed Richards. And I think you just think Emily Blunt can come in as Sue Storm. It makes the most perfect sense. But again, just them not reaching out first before Daniel Craig, that I do find to be I, uh, to be nervous for me or nerve wracking for him to say, Oh, he's going to be the Reed Richards going forward. Like John Krasinski playing Reed Richards was a backup plan for multiverse. Yeah, that's of Madness, Which makes me think that they shoehorned him into this story rather than like saving him for a different, right. For obviously the fantastic four movie that is still yet to um, release, you know, and yet to be cast as well. So I think I agree with you. It completely hurts it. And I, kind of find it weird that daniel craig was going to jump into a marvel movie i guess also hurting the idea of like a character that craig was going to play was going to feature um was going to be featured in the future of the mcu just because he just got out of james bond he talked like it doesn't seem like he wants to be tied down to a franchise he, he i believe he started in play like post james bond he did no time to die so like having just jumping back into the marvel universe i think it was pretty clear this was going to be like a one-off type of opportunity for him just to say he's been in the mcu he give, gave the fans that special moment um so just to have that as a backup plan for krasinski to be reed richards doesn't bode well for the future and it's you know daniel craig star wars star right oh yeah <laughs> he was in star wars so like he does Quick like it, it, it definitely like a cameo one-time thing for a big time franchise like yo that totally makes sense to me but i definitely agree with you i don't think he would ever want to be tied down to a marvel to to marvel really so i think this would have been just a brief cameo but i will just also say real quick since we're on the topic here i don't hate him as reed richards if it was going to be reed richards and not uh of the brave that doesn't work so i do think it looks weird but compared to john krasinski the only thing john krasinski has over him is that he's like not as jacked he's more slender so that makes sense for reed richards but like if you're going to be the smartest man in the world like daniel craig like benoit blanc right like Girl in the Dragon Tattoo is very smart. James Bond is very smart. You can't smart. see him with Mr. Fantastic's hair. It's not going to work. Me neither. Me it neither. wouldn't have worked. I, I'm not couldn't. saying I would have liked it. I'm just saying on paper, compared to a John Krasinski, if you don't look at looks, you just look at, okay, who is this character and who should play him? It's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. So I'm interested I, in seeing like Daniel Craig as a villain potential in the MCU. That would be know? good. 
Just I like, like that. Like he like he could do that character type of stuff. Like he obviously was in Logan Lucky, like as Joe Bang and everything. Like he can turn on the Jets when he has to. <laughs> he doesn't have to be the hero the entire time. Right. I would like to see him get a little more diverse. Still want to have fun, like beyond James Bond. Don't tie yourself down to the MCU. Like make him a villain, you know, like in Thor five. <laughs> you know, he'll be the villain of Thor five. I kind of like that. Keep turning those out. Uh he would have been a great Zeus, by the way, too. Like, if he could have been like a Zeus, and, like Russell Crowe, like I get, he's not like he's not in great shape, and like Russell Crowe, <laughs> you think Gladiator and everything with the hair. But I feel like you could have gotten Daniel Craig in a charismatic Zeus performance here too. I, I like the Daniel Craig shout for the villain in the MCU. I think that's perfect. <laughs> that's you politely saying no. I would not like him as Zeus, but yes, it's okay. I respect your opinion. <laughs> um, let's keep going here. Where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? Okay. The short casting news. There's so much, so much. Here's what we're at, we got next: Jacob Alordi and Barry Keen. Okay, they've been cast alongside Rosamund Pike in Emerald Fennell's next film, Saltburn, which centers on a grand aristocratic English family. So, grand aristocratic English family. That sounds lame, but Emerald Fennell doing it. That sounds awesome. All right, for those who don't know, Emerald Fennell, best original screenplay, Promising Young Woman. Right, uh, had. Uh, is it not Michelle Williams? What's her name? Oh, uh, I, I, I always confuse her with Michelle Williams. Carrie Mulligan? Carrie Mulligan. They're all the right. same people to me. Once again, I keep confusing all these people are the same. But Carrie Mulligan, uh, nominated for an Oscar uh, for the Emerald Fennell film, A Promising Young Woman. This is exciting. This is her follow up. Okay. Jacob Elordi, I believe, is in that show, uh, Euphoria. All right. He also was in Deep Water, which I saw. Uh, the girls absolutely swoon for this dude. And Barry Keehan, obviously, the next Joker. Okay, spoiler alert, I guess, if you've been living under a rock. Uh, also, he's a new Marvel hero. He was featured in Eternals. So I think this is a pretty interesting movie when you look at the cast itself. A lot of young names. And then Rosamund Pike entering an Emerald Fennell film. It's like a, a, a potentially a darker lead a la Gone Girl like she had back in 2014 with Fincher. I'm excited to see her more than anyone else in this cast. What are your thoughts, Flex? I think you nailed it. And I think, again, this is just the rise of Emerald Fennell after Promising Young Woman, getting not only Carrie Mulgan in that movie, but also other like well-known actors, Alfred Molina also. But now it's just like, okay, like she's going full force here. And this is just the next step for her. And again, Rosamund Pike, I care a lot, won the Golden Globe for Best Actress there. Oh, Got yes, I forgot. So, like, she's coming off of that. This is her next movie, and you're pairing them up with these two great actors, like, that's like that are young and up and coming. So, this is just great for her, great for Rosamund Pike to continue this run. And I, I am very excited. I don't know when, there, like, is there a timeline here? Because this might not come out for a while. I don't think it's going to be for a while. Uh, but I, I'm going to call my shot right now and say Rosamund Pike, Rosamund Pike's going to win an Oscar for this movie. I'm gonna call my shot. I don't and hate that. I, I, this is, I'm calling my shot now. Whenever this movie comes out, she's gonna win an Oscar. I think she was snubbed for a performance in Gone Girl back at the 2015 Oscars. Uh, I also think that you have like more of a period piece here, English aristocratic family, right? I think of Olivia Coleman and I think of like Mary Queen of Scots, and I think of all these other like type of movies that came out like in recent history that have done well at the Oscars or at least garnered nominations. Like Rosamund Pike with Emerald Fennell, like empowering woman type of director. I feel like she's gonna have a real, real juicy role here. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna call my shot and say it now. And I love Barry Key Barry Keen getting all these roles. My favorite young actor going right now. My favorite young actor, Barry Keen. You love him. I love him. He's, the, he's he's amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, last one in terms of casting. Guess what? We got a ult. We have an insane reunion going on. Family reunion. The Forrest Gump team, including director Robert Zemeckis, screenwriter Eric Roth, and stars Tom Hanks and Robin Wright, are going to reunite to make a new film titled "Here." Films described as a breathtaking and revolutionary odyssey through time and memory. Dude, Forrest and Jenny back. Robert Zemeckis back. Eric Roth back. Does do you think this crew still has it? That's the only question. I'm thinking, right? Tom Cruise, Elvis. For me, he's the only part of that movie that doesn't look great, in my opinion. He really doesn't. But it's Tom Hanks. You can't like just say no. And he has done some good stuff recently, uh, more so in the last decade. Um, the Post being one of them. Like any British spy. Like he's done some things well here, not just you know getting older, right? 
Mr. Rogers movie, um, whatever that's called. But I do think that, you know, Zemeckis also, we talked about in this podcast how volatile the director he is now in the 21st century. But I think the core thing here is Eric Roth. Eric Roth writing. And that's why I'm saying it will be awesome. If he's on, like he does, he, I don't know when the last time he missed, like going in his whole career. Mm-hmm. This man just is, he might be the best writer in Hollywood. Um, I really just don't see this not being successful. He's, if he's attached to it so, and he has a huge part, which he obviously does. So I'm going to say, yes, I'm all in, but it's just like, like I, again, like the reunited. Yes. But I think it just all hinges on Eric Roth. Dude, you're right. Eric Roth doesn't miss. Ready for this? Killers of the Flower Moon coming out this year, most likely. Dune, right? You did. Star, Star is Born, also did. Uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, did. Right? Good Shepherd, Munich, Ali, The Insider, The Postman, Forrest Gump. This Dude, is ridiculous. He is a legend. Some of these are a miss, but I won't say the other ones out loud. But just having that set, that, that, if you have the writer, like you can kind of recapture that magic. If you're putting the actors in a position to succeed, like Tom Hanks can figure it out. He still has the juice when yeah. he needs to bring the juice. Robin Wright, I know she hasn't done too much in recent history, but I would like to see her. Like maybe they get that chemistry back, that magic she had with Forrest and Zemeckis. Maybe what he needs is like to go back with people he's most familiar with, like Hanks, like a Robin Wright, and with Eric Roth. Like, get back to his strengths. And then uh, he can do his thing, maybe where he's most comfortable and he's had the most success. So, yeah, yeah and that's maybe. the biggest thing for a director. It's like, yes, you are running the show here. But if you have people, if you surround yourself with talented people that are super smart and like around someone with a good base, like your movies around a good base, which is the screen of uh, the screenplay and the actual story, then you could find that directing mojo back like it's nothing. You know, it's just like if you're a boss of a team, like in a, in the workplace, and like you are leading a team. If you surround yourself with great people and you have just a good product or whatever you're doing, like that, you're going to be successful, no matter like how volatile you are. So I do like totally have my faith in this movie because of that core. And this is I almost forgot. Zemeckis is doing that Pinocchio movie with Hanks. Oh yeah, yeah, hey, that's later this year. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they get that chemistry going back. And like being the mm. film being described as a breathtaking and revolutionary odyssey. I mean, I think of an odyssey and I think of like Forrest Gump. I think of the journey he goes on, right? Yes. Uh, but in terms of like, you know, Zemeckis has been a little bold with his vision. Do you think of Melk, Welcome to Marwin? Like maybe this is like something that could actually pay off that he hasn't really translated well to these last couple decades. You know, he, it's, not, it's not 1985 Back to the Future anymore, right? It seems like he's not. He just doesn't have what audiences want to see anymore. But maybe this is where things change a little bit. Uh, I also want to talk about Ricky Flick's uh, House of the Dragon. It's been renewed for season two uh, already. Good sign. Yeah, good sign. I think like the hype's already there. I'm hugely excited for it. And obviously, it's, you see it's already getting renewed for his season two. It's like, oh, that's that means season one, definitely at minimum good, right? But I will also say just the amount of money they put into this no doubt there was always going to be a season two, no matter how bad it was. Yeah. I mean, like it, it was always going to happen no matter what. I think also just announcing the season two gets people more hype for season one. Yes, and definitely then, helps. And it's just going to be like, oh, this must be good. No matter what like early critics are saying about the show. Yes. And it feels like every week passes by, you got House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones account saying 14 weeks left, 13 weeks left, 12 weeks left. Like winter is coming. It's as they're trying to get that same type of, and garner that same type of anticipation the original Game of Thrones had. But we're just going to have to wait and see if it delivers, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to, like, say it's amazing yet. I think it's just a tactic to actually just make sure people are going to view it. And it's like there's too many too many resources in this show for not mm-hmm. to get a season two released beforehand uh, or right. announced beforehand. Uh, moving on here, Amber Heard confirms that Warner Brothers removed, quote-unquote, removed a bunch, end quote, of her scenes from Aquaman 2. She said, quote, I was given a script, then given new versions of the script that had taken away scenes that had action in it, end quote. So Ricky Flex just goes with a little bit of our theory. I think more my theory, if I'm going to take credit for this one, Ricky Flex, that, that she is getting written out of the DCEU following it the makes sense of the, of the suit. It makes yeah. sense. I totally agree. I agree. And yes, definitely you, this is yours, but I agree. I, I have always agreed. Like you, you, you take it. But yes, it's definitely the case. This just proves it. Or she's trying to say that. And that's why she sucks in it. She has a back uh, back out. 
You know Ooh. what I mean? Yeah. So it could be that way as well. I mean, but no matter what, I think she's gone after this anyways. Yeah. No matter what. I don't know. I I I, I love I love that she's not gonna be involved though. I do like that. <laughs> Team you know, I was I wasn't a big no that not that a little bit, but more of like I just wasn't a fan of her in the first place. I didn't really love her chemistry with Jason Momoa, and uh, I feel like someone else could just play her part so much better. Yeah, you know? easy, easy. Uh, like it's not like she's like some renowned actress. You know, she's just kind of just a pretty face, ripped. Uh, next, <laughs> to, uh, end, end the checkup here as we're wrapping up. Skarsgård, we brought up earlier in the podcast. So, Alexander Skarsgård and Dane DeHaan are going to star in a survival thriller, The Tiger. All right. This film is inspired by the chilling true story of a man eating tiger in 90s Russia. Uh, Ricky Flex, you uploaded the synopsis here. I'll read it out loud for you. So, it's set in snowy Far East Russia in the late 90s. The feature follows a group of men referred to as the Tiger Team who work to protect endangered tigers from poachers and logging operations. The story follows Vanzen, who's played by Skarsgård, the team's leader whose sense of duty is tested when he's charged with hunting down and exterminating a tiger that killed a poacher in self-defense. Dehan would portray Kanchuga, a young environmental scientist and newest member of the team. This is already just must-watch by the fact that these names are incredible. Vanzen and Kanchuga. <laughs> is this why you put the synopsis in here? Yes, that's honestly the reason. Uh, and also just to say, like Far East Russia, late 90s, that could, anything could happen in this movie. Um, but oh my God. No, so I just want to say, but this is I think this kind of got swept under the rug just with all the superhero and all the other checkup news and trailer come out the past week. I think this is pretty big. And I'll say I'll say this why. So this film has been in the works for a decade. Like the Whoa. Darren Aronofsky wanted to direct this movie. It's based off this nonfiction book that he wanted to be a part of. He was attached as a director. And you know who else was rumored to be in the leading role, not Skarsgård? I guess. Yeah. Is it, is, it, is it something I would be able to get or no? Yes. Bigger name than Skarsgård. Gyllenhaal. Bigger. Oh, my. Bigger? Bigger. DiCaprio. Oh, lower. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt yeah. was rumored to be this. So Abnaski, no longer director, but he's still a producer on the film. Okay. And Who's he, directing he, it? Who's doing this? Um, Miroslav Slaboski. Yeah. Sounds about um, right. He was in the, a critically acclaimed movie, The Tribe, but I've never seen it. But basically, all I'm just trying to say is like, this will be at Khan. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I don't, I don't know which Khan next year, maybe, but. I'm just saying, I, I think this movie like has potential here. And Skarsgård, we all just saw the North and we talk about him all the time, like rising movie star here, A-lister. But I, sw I didn't mention this before the checkup, before the roundup, trailer roundup either. But I watched another thing this weekend. And I watched The Staircase. Oh. The show with Colin Firth and Tony Collette on HBO Max. And there's been five episodes. There's going to be eight. They, there's five episodes out right now. And... The show is good. Like, if you love true crime, you'll love this. Like, this is great. It's off. Like, I, you probably watched the Netflix series, um, the true crime series. This is, like, basically told, but, like, through actual actions, like, the portrayals of these people. Colin Firth, Beast. I really don't like his character, like, as a character, but, like, he's very good in it. Everyone's very good, but it's easily Colin Firth's show. Schwarzenegger's son's in this, and he's actually very good. Yeah. He's so Colin, isn't he? Uh, he's also one of Colin Firth's sons. Right. And that brings me to my last point here. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Dahan, you could say he's on the comeback trail. You really can say trail. that. And I've never been a fan of him, just to say this. But before he got the Green Goblin gig in 2014, you know, he was in all, all these minor movies. Um, he was on all these minor supporting roles. For the in these big time movies like Lawless, Place Beyond the Pines, Chronicle, like, Chronicle, Michael B. Jordan movie, um, a lot of Dane DeHaan movie, and speaking of Scarsgard, True Blood, oh, reunited here, um, but yeah, but like he failed at his big break, break, white big break, right? So he had to work his way back through it, and now he's doing the staircase, he's gonna be an Oppenheimer, okay, and then he's gonna be in this, like Good for him, this is massive for him he's on the comeback trail like again like i've never been a huge fan 
But clearly, like Christopher Nolan sees something. Arnofsky is the producer of the of this film, sees something, right? He's in a show with Tony Collette and Colin Firth starring. Like definitely he's getting seen and getting traction right now. So I just wanted to point out his name, give him some faith, uh, give him some pride here. And also Scar just keeps rolling. I love that. And it kind of lends well to our later episode this week when we do the unfulfilled potential draft, right? It looks like Dane DeHaan has a chance to avoid this type of yes. selection, right? By working with Skarsgård again and like doing what he's been doing in recent, as of recent. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to, that's what we're drafting next uh, on Thursday when this drops. Uh, we're going to be uh, Thursday when the episode drops the draft. So we're going to be drafting those actors who hit it big early on, and we, we expected too much of them, right, enough where they couldn't deliver um, later on in their career. So I'm very excited to do that draft with you, Ricky Flex. That's going to do it for the checkup today and the trailer roundup. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen, uh, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, I should say, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whole shebang. Subscribe to the YouTube. Make sure you're following us at the drive in pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. All right. Gotta get more on the TikTok game. Also hit the Instagram reels. We get some clips going. A lot of juicy, juicy takes this episode. Can't wait to dice up, dice it all up. This is Dr. Rose signing off. All right. Until next time, we will smell you.